man. So we got offering right in the middle of my introduction. This is good. <clears throat> well, God bless you. Got throne room answers to city problems. I thought we need a throne room answer to like the toilet paper crisis. My goodness. So, so t-shirts become tank tops. <laughs> Unmatched socks, junk mail. I mean, come on. It's just. I'm giving you guys some heavenly gold here right now, so. The people at home are enjoying it more than you guys are, right? I tell you what. Garden hose. I mean, man, we got, it's unlimited. It's unlimited, so. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? I feel like the Lord told me to put a sword in your hand today. And so uh, you guys don't need a pep talk. I feel like you need a sword. And so I, f- I feel like some of the stuff that's out there is just a little pep talky. And, uh, man, we need to really get anchored in the Word of God. There's a lot of great stuff out there, too. And so one of the things that excites me is uh, a word that Heidi Baker gave in 2015. She saw kind of a time like this coming. And uh, here's what her conclusion was, is that America would see the kind of miracles that were happening in Mozambique. I mean, the stuff that's happened in Mozambique is absolutely insane. It's just wonderful, wonderful signs and wonders. And so... I think we need to be looking at, like, what, what's going to happen in the midst of this, in the spiritual climate, for the people who are positioning their hearts so that heaven can flow through them. And so I, th- I think, yeah, well, I'm getting a little worried, too. I mean, so it's like, uh, worried, like, what's going to happen if we actually get hold of this thing? I mean, the poor devil's not going to have anything to do. It's going to be terrible for him. <laughs> so let's put a sword in your hand here today. So <clears throat> a true revelation of God's word is essential for a victorious Christian life. I think everyone would say amen to that, but I want to unpack this a little bit because I think this is a little bit missing here. The word of God often refers to itself as a seed. Okay, this is, this is absolutely huge. Um, there's 44 verses in the New Testament where the Greek, the New Testament is written in Greek, right? There's 44 times in the New Testament where the Greek word sperma gets translated seed. Anyone want to guess where we get uh, what the word sperma gets translated to uh, often in English? It's the word sperm, Okay. To conceive and give birth to the miracles you need, you must first plant God's word like a seed in your heart. Conception cannot take, without, cannot take place without first planting a seed. There's only been one virgin birth, and the birth of your miracle won't be the second. How are we doing? I constantly meet Christians they are like, I'm praying, I'm believing God for supernatural, for provision, for this and that, and they're frustrated with the results. And here's the problem, is they haven't planted a seed of conception, they've just tried to hope out of their emotions. And call that believing. The guys, if you haven't planted a seed, there will not be a harvest. So Jesus, he gives us three different parables in Mark 4, and he says this, he said, all the parables are saying this, the word of God is like a seed, and your heart is like a garden. So he's given this, and he even says, if you don't understand this first parable, the parable of the, of the four soils, where the word of God is like a seed, your heart is like a garden, he said, none of the rest of the uh, word of God and the parables are going to make sense to you. So he's giving us a key, guys. We, we have to have this seed planted. Hello. I think I just planted something there. Did you hear that? Wow. You can have some of that. So here's Jesus. He's giving us an inviolable law of the kingdom. Is there first has to be seed time and then harvest time. You can't skip from like hopes to harvest. Okay, there has to be a seed time. Imagine a farmer. He sees all of his neighbors. They're out there reaping and he's like, oh my goodness, I need to go plant some seed. And he would expect to harvest the next night. The next day he's going to be severely disappointed, right? You do not reap a crop overnight. 
the law of seed time and then harvest, it cannot be violated. Jesus is giving us parables showing it. This is how the kingdom of God works. Listen to Mark chapter uh, 6. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. This is the third parable that Jesus tells here. And he's showing how there's this germination process in the word of God that can't be avoided. It, it takes some time. Uh, verse 26, and Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Remember, we already found out from the earlier parable that the, the, the word of God is the seed, the ground is your heart. Okay, He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Our hearts were created by God to bring forth fruit, bring forth a harvest when a seed of the word of God is planted in them. Your, word, your heart is like a garden. God made it that way. You can put in good seed and produce good fruit. You can put in bad seed, produce bad fruit. I mean, let me just give you a quick hint here. Watching CNN 24 hours a day is putting bad seed into your heart. Or any news channel. I mean, I'm not picking on CNN. I'm just saying they, they are not giving you heaven's perspective. The acronym for CNN is, is, does not have some kind of heavenly revelation thing or Fox or any, anyone else, okay? You, the, it is the word of God that does these things. Now, I want you to get this. The, word of the, the, the seed has to remain in the ground in order for it to produce a harvest. I know these are basic things, okay? Listen to John 15, 7. Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Imagine if you planted a seed in the ground, but every day you went and you dug up the seed to check and see what was happening in it. What's that called? It's called homeschool. If you've ever done, you've done this, I remember uh, Mary did a project with the kids. You know, they did a little plant inside the cup, and I don't remember which kid it was, but the plant wasn't growing. And uh, we figured out it's because he was digging it up every day to see what was happening in there. <laughs> right? <clears throat> don't dig up in doubt what you planted in faith. Don't dig up in doubt what you planted in faith. So a lot of times we get in a charismatic environment and the presence of God is there and it's awesome and the song's going forth, the word's going forth, and you leave up charge and then you get to, I don't know, about 270. I <laughs> 270. It's like, hold on a second here. These pressures, these winds that Sean was talking about, these pressures, they're, they're coming on me here. And guys, that's, that is not the time to dig it up. Okay, I'm going to tell you how to abide in them here in just a second. That's what the whole rest of this thing's going to be about. But... Um, Leave it in the ground over time to produce a harvest. I, I know I'm using real basic analogies, but that's what the Bible does. Thank goodness. Oh, boy. I just planted something else there. What happened, babe? Make sure I'm plugged in here. Yeah. I've got a bad habit of doing that sometimes. All right. So we're getting the picture. No seed, no harvest. Dig up seed, no harvest. So how do we keep the seed in the ground, Okay. And so uh, I, I want to look at how do we, uh, Jesus used the analogy of abiding in his words, dwelling in his words, residing in his words, living in his words. So how do we do that? So I want you to get this. You do not have to read the Bible. You get to. It's not like, eat your Brussels sprouts. Although I've actually recently, Mary has cooked them in a way that I'm actually enjoying Brussels sprouts. I never thought I would do that. And so um, uh, that has nothing to do with anything, but you're welcome for that. Just a little peek into the baker life. But... You cannot read the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit. So reading the Bible is not like taking your vitamins. It's not like just force-feeding some good food down your, around your throat. It's, it's a way to actually meet Jesus. The point of the Bible is to meet the author. It's not to equip you to debate on Facebook. 
Although from some of the comments I get, I think people might think that is actually the purpose of the Bible. But here's the thing. Um, reading the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit is like trying to read a book in the, bla- in the pitch black. Okay, it just does, it does not work like that. And so um, how many of you had, have had those times where you're reading the Bible and a scripture seems to kind of leap off the page? Okay, let me tell you what that is. That's the Holy Spirit inviting you into the truth of that passage. He, what he's doing is he's giving you a seed and he's depositing in your heart. Now it's up to you what to do with it. Now what happens with a lot of us is we kind of get this religious thing. A chapter a day keeps the devil away. You know, I got to read three chapters. I got to read five chapters. Guys, it's more important for you to pay attention to that thing that was highlighted than for you to get through and check off your boxes and get through the Bible in a year. Okay? So, re- I mean, I believe in reading for breadth. There's times, I remember there's a season where Mary and I, we read the, uh, the Bible 30 times in three years. And so we, we read it for breadth. There's other times where I've, you know, I, we also were reading like a book. We like like the book of James. Read it once a day for thirty days. So we're reading for breath and depth, and in a sense, it's more important for you to meditate on those verses that God is highlighting than it is for you to just plow through. So read until something, until the Holy Spirit's tapping you on the shoulder, something's leaping off the page. I don't know about you, but there's times I'm reading and my spirit's leaping. I'm like excited. I couldn't explain it to you with my head if you put a gun to my head. Like, I don't know why this is such a good verse, but if you ever reading it, and you're like, this is good, and I have no idea why. <clears throat> you may even tell a friend, you may tell your spouse, like, there's something on this verse. Well, why? <clears throat> I don't know, but there's, you, know, like, you can't explain it. What's happening? That's revelation. Revelation starts in your spirit, and your mind takes a little while to catch up. Okay, how many of you feel like you've experienced that? Okay, you're having a supernatural encounter while reading the Bible, and he's inviting you to dwell on those words. When God gives you a passage of scripture, what he's saying to you is, listen, everything in this book belongs to you. It's yours. You need to study it, um, every, every encounter here. But I want you to pay a special attention to this one. Every promise in that passage, every, everything that he's highlighting, he's saying, this belongs to you. This is a now season for that word. You're not going to hear God speak by studying with your mind, only by listening with your heart. Another way to say listening with your heart is meditating. Okay, so a lot of people get weird pictures of candles and, and chanting and, you know, lotus positions for, for monks <clears throat> doing some things or something or, you know, I don't know, people shaved heads and orange robes and all this stuff. Uh, meditation is actually a biblical word. Uh, just because other religions do it doesn't mean we're going to give it up. I'm not willing to give up rainbows yet. <clears throat> it's actually a sign of the covenant of God's goodness, okay? We're not going to give up meditation either on, on these things. And so... <clears throat> Meditation is not for people who live in an ivory tower and don't have to deal with real problems. Jesus was someone who meditated on the word of God amidst the, uh, the wood shavings of his carpentry shop. When Paul says this, he says in 1 Corinthians 1.26, There were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble among you. These were the people who were able to enter into a dynamic relationship with God and they turned the uh, Roman Empire upside down. I want you guys to see meditation is not some elite scholarly thing. It's for normal people who want to shake the world. Meditation as taught in scripture is the responsibility and privilege of every disciple of Jesus. What are you doing when you're meditating? I'm fellowshipping with Jesus. I'm abiding in him. I'm living in his words. His words are living in me. What's happening? I'm I'm trusting God that that seed that's planted in in my heart is going to do exactly what he said it would do. Whether I feel it, whether I taste it, whether I see it. Listen to Joshua 1.8. I just want to call this message. I'm already halfway done, by the way. <clears throat> Signs and wonders. Yeah. I, I can keep going. I can make up some stuff. 
here's the title of this message, Prospering No Matter What. There's two passages in Scripture that talk about prospering regardless of the season, and they both have to do with Scripture meditation. Isn't that interesting? It was interesting to two, pers- two people like that. I appreciate that. I received that. Ooh, I received that. I received that. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Now, there's two different uh, pictures. The Old, Old Testament is written in Hebrew. Uh, one book was written in Aramaic and a couple parts in Daniel. Anyway, most of it was written in Hebrew. And there's two word pictures uh, for meditate in Hebrew. One is of a cow chewing its cud. Okay, and so you know cows have five stomachs. <clears throat> Maybe I had a roommate who had five stomachs too. It was really weird. Anyway, as cows, what do they do? Something else just got implanted. I, don't, I shave today, so it's not my whiskers. I don't know what it is. Every other week I shave. And so um, whether I need it or not. What am I talking about? Cows, cud. And so I want you to think about it. So what's it doing? It's, uh, it's, it's chewing on the cud. It's swallowing it. And then it uh, burps it up with a little renewed flavor, chews on it a little bit. Don't just, just work the analogy. This is right from nature. This is God's creation. Don't, don't look at me in that tone of voice, all right? <clears throat> the picture in Hebrew is that, I don't know if you've ever done this, or you've been thinking about something so much that you actually find yourself kind of talking about it to yourself. And someone's like, you talking to me? Oh, no, no. I was just, you know what I'm talking about? That's meditating. That's the picture of it. You're meditating on it so that do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, I'm thinking about it so intensely that I'm actually beginning to mutter about it. That's the picture in the Hebrew is I'm muttering about it. I'm, I'm, I'm swallowing it. I'm digesting it. And then it's coming back up with a little bit differently. I'm thinking about it this angle, this angle. The other picture in Hebrew is of a dialogue. And so I'm meditating on it and I'm saying, Lord, what about this? And so I remember when Mary and I, uh, we were... We were in love, which was like a couple days after we met. Anyway, and so we're still in love. Yes, thank you for that. We are st- <laughs> thank you. I remember back when our marriage was good. <laughs> no, it's still wonderful. Thank you for that. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, come and squeeze us. That's a good prayer. So while we were dating and in love... We, uh, we, we were trying to figure out how do we get a ring, you know? And so I'm a, I'm a broke college student. I mean, our, our dates were, I'll just say creative because we didn't have any money. And so one of the dates that we did is we went to this diamond store, and there was a place in Southfield, Michigan, that was nicknamed the Den of Thieves. And so it was, uh, it was a giant building. It had six floors of jewelry stores. And so it was just all about haggling, and you never knew if you were getting a deal. I mean, you don't even know if you're getting real, real jewelry, you know. And so I didn't know where it was. You know, they didn't have GPS back then. Some of you can't even understand a world without GPS. And so my dad's giving me directions. He's like, well, why do you want to go down there? And I didn't want dad to know how in love Mary and I actually were. And so I'm like, well, I want to get mom uh, some jewelry for her birthday. <laughs> dad's like, you can't even afford, like, you know, a date with Mary. Anyway, so... So I, I thought I had dad fooled. Later, would I find out that I didn't? And so we, uh, before we went to the Den of Thieves, there was a, a famous diamond store in the Detroit area that would offer classes on diamonds, and they would teach you the five C's, cut, color, clarity, carrot. Forget the other one. Maybe it's just the four C's. Color, cut, color, clarity, carrot. 
<laughs> Spoken like a true businessman. Thank you for that one. Yes. It's <laughs> and so, like, what is it? Oh, they can't. Oh, he said cost was the fifth C. Yeah, for those of you. It's so classic. Oh, the sixth C. Anyway, and so... Um, so, like, you become kind of like a mini expert at this thing. I mean, you're, like, getting the jeweler's loop, and you're finding, like, the imperfections and stuff like this. And, and uh, so we go in there, and we are armed with some knowledge at this point. And so we go into the Den of Thieves, and they're showing us stuff, and we're actually able to correct them. We're like, no, no, this is actually this, and oh, this and that. But the jewelry stores, they know what they're doing in there. They have, like, I don't know if these exist or this is the technical name. They have special diamond lights, like, like they're not, these aren't like normal lights in your home. They like are specially designed to make these, any jewelry, piece of jewelry look amazing. Like you take it outside, you're like, hold on, like where is that, where's that awesome piece of jewelry I wanted? And like inside there, everything looks amazing. And uh, what you notice about a diamond, as we learned this in the class, is that diamonds, they refract light. And as you hold up a diamond to the light and you turn it, it reflects a new level of beauty. It refracts a new level of beauty. So as you keep doing that, okay? Guys, that is the picture of meditation, is I'm holding up the word of God and, and to the light of his presence. And so when I'm studying, if you learn something new, what do you do with that? Do you now have a new goodie? No, no, no. Now I have a new aspect to hold up to the light of his presence. I'm, I'm listening for him to speak out. You see what I'm talking about meditation, how I'm, I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit. I'm not digging something out with my own intellect out of a book or a commentary. I'm interacting with him, allowing him to speak out of what he already spoke into when he uh, wrote the word of God. That's meditation. Listen to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, it's an interesting thing. It contrasts the righteous person who's meditating on the word of God with the unrighteous person and what their life is like. Okay, This is the Passion Translation. What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? He won't walk in step with the wicked nor share in the uh, sinner's way. I love how the message translation puts it. It's something like, he doesn't attend smart mouth college, which I don't know why that one just always spoke to me, but it's just, uh, I think because I got a degree there in my younger years probably. <clears throat> Actually, I think I was made a professor there for a little while. Nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. Verse 2, his pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of I am meditating day and night in the true revelation of light. Now, I want you to look at the results that happen from this person uh, using poetic language of, who, of someone who meditates. Verse 3, he will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss. Ready for this? Bearing fruit in every season of his life. Now, a normal tree uh, just bears fruit in harvest season, right? There's, there's a certain season. But this is painting a picture of a supernatural person who's meditating God's word, and their life is fruitful every single season. Quarantine season. Yeah. Listen to the next part here. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. Now, in the, in the Old Testament mindset, uh, prosperity was not limited to finances, but it included it. Uh, to be prosperous means, to, I mean, basically, I, I, there's like six parts to it, uh, to, to different word pictures in the, in the Old Testament. But no matter what the situation is, there's a picture of a flood coming, you're able to navigate through the flood. There's a picture of a disease coming, overcome the disease. There's a famine coming. Like, no matter what the negative situation, the prosperous person has the answer. It's kind of like the picture in Romans 5.17 where it says, God will uh, help you, uh, abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. It means you've got authority over every situation. You can't control the situations, 
but when they come into you, you can prosper. And how do we get into this? It's the person who's meditating on God's word, who's dwelling and remaining in his words, who's planting that seed in the garden of our hearts so that we can produce a supernatural harvest. But how different are the wicked? All they are is dust in the wind, driven away to destruction. The wicked will not endure the day of judgment, for God will not defend them. Nothing they do will succeed or endure for long, for they have no part with those who walk in the truth. But how different, I like how he ends it on the positive, but how different it is for the righteous. The Lord embraces their paths as they move forward, while the, wick, the way of the wicked only leads to doom. How are we doing? What was the difference? The righteous person was the picture of the one who meditated, who kept God's word in his mind to the point where they began to mutter it, who entered into a dialogue with the Lord, who was holding the word of God up like a diamond, seeing it refracting, and the Lord would speak out of that. And then you would, well, Lord, what about this? And you would begin to speak. It's a dialogue. It's It's a beautiful picture there. So how do I know when God is speaking to me through the Bible? Okay? And so what I'm trying to say is... um, when, God, when God's highlighting something, we want to meditate on those things. And so let's just kind of go a little deeper. How do I know what to meditate on? Um, have you ever been reading the Bible and you had a question come up in your mind? That's God speaking to you. God loves to inspire the questions because he wants to give you the answer. You're welcome for that one. God inspires the questions because he wants to give you the answers. People who don't have questions don't recognize answers when they come. But a person with quite hello. That mic, was that the one you were using? That one was a little muddy. Thanks for telling me afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I'll let Sean use the muddy microphone, but it's not good enough for me. So, all right. How are we doing? Listen, guys, God loves it when you ask him questions. You're reading the Bible, you get a question that comes in. That's God tapping you on the shoulder saying, I'm inviting you into an encounter. I'm inviting you into something meditate on because I want to give you the answers. In the, in the Gospel of Mark, there's 67 different episodes where, um, where Jesus is interacting with people. In 50 of the 67, he's asking them questions. Whose face is on that coin? Whose inscription is it printed with? Why do you call me good? What does Moses command you? By what authority John the Baptist do what he did? Behind every question, Jesus was not having a quest for information. Right, But it was an invitation to a person with a relationship so that he could plant something inside of them. Listen to John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. What's the distinguishing characteristic of a friend of Jesus? For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. God shares revelation with his friends, and one of the ways he does it is by putting a question in your heart, inviting you into that so that he can reveal to you what it is that he wanted to tell you the whole time. Like, why, doesn't he, why does he do it that way? Well, that's just how we set up his kingdom. It's so that sometimes understanding God's word requires hunger. Right. Proverbs 25, 2, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. It's how the, how, how the kingdom works. God hides things for us, not from us. And so it's time for us to take up our kingdom royalty and to begin to search out these things as he's putting those questions, as things are standing out to us on the page. It's time for us to search those things out through meditation so that that seed can be planted and remain and produce the harvest. 
<clears throat> so, the, so the two things is, uh, one, did I have a question? And number two, did something stick out to me? And when something sticks out to you, that is, we talked about that as a revelation. I want to expand just a little bit on revelation, and then we're going to do an activation here in just a second. When I'm talking about revelation, I'm talking about you're receiving knowledge directly from the Holy Spirit and not through your five senses or through your big giant intellect. Okay? And so uh, the Holy Spirit is the source of knowledge. In other words, you did not res- discover it. Think of the word revelation. It has the, has the word reveal in it. You did not discover this knowledge. It was revealed to you. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. You have heard how the mystery was made known to me. I want you to see. Made known to me. He's giving this picture of revelation. By revelation. You can perceive my insight. He's giving so many different synonyms for what happened. Made known to me, revelation, perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed, there it is, again, to the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. He's just given this picture. It's not something you can dig out by yourself. Revelation is locked up in this realm called mystery, and a mystery cannot be hunted down and trapped by it like an animal. It can't be discovered through persistent searching. It's a, the picture is like of a curtain, and it's lifted up. When the veil is revealed, when it's lifted up, now it's like, oh, how could I have not seen that the whole time? That's Revelation. We don't unlock mysteries. They are unlocked for us, okay? Most born-against Christians, you know what it's like to uh, you're in confusion, you're just kind of troubled, you're just, you, you, you know, you're just going through a difficult time, and someone speaks a word to you, and suddenly the darkness lifts. You don't have any more answers than you did before, but all of a sudden something's right. That's revelation. Now, I believe your mind will catch up eventually, so you'll be able to break it off as bread, the bread of your own life and feed other people. But that's the thing. It comes into your spirit. Things seem to be okay, even though you don't have an intellectual explanation why things are okay. Bill Johnson said this, the same way that Jesus became flesh, the Holy Spirit becomes words, and when they are spoken, they bring life. We've all had that happen where someone speaks a word, the darkness lifts, the confusion lifts, and here's what happens, is when we wrap our hearts around it, it eventually begins to make sense. You know it's revelation because it has a freshness to it, and it's something better than you could have thought up. I like to say this, it comes out of the blue. Like you're, you're doing the dishes, you're mowing the grass, you're, you're just doing something. All of a sudden, it's like, whew, you just, it's, it's unveiled. It's just suddenly you just, you just have this thought. You're like, I wasn't even trying to think of that. That's one of the distinguishing characteristics when you know it's revelation. Is it something that you weren't trying to think about? Suddenly it's revealed. I don't know about you, but it seems to come at the worst times for me. Like when I'm sitting there like ready to revelate, I got my pen in hand in the journal, Sometimes those pages stay blank for a long time. I don't know about you guys, but it's almost like God's like, um, I'm going to see if you're really hungry for this one because I need someone who's hungry to become the kind of person who can carry the weight of this thing. So I'm going to give it to you at the most inopportune point, like while you're driving. Or I don't know if you've had this happen. This is, this is sometimes embarrassing. Like you're in the middle of a conversation that you should be listening to, and all of a sudden, <laughs> ding, you know, like, oh, no, like, <laughs> You know, I should be listening, but I don't care what you're saying, you know, and so, oh, don't look at me like that. Paul actually prayed for this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give you thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, here's his prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
Revelation is always revealing an aspect of Jesus, and because it's revealing an aspect of Jesus, it's revealing an aspect of who we are because we're in him. Okay, that's how, that's how it gets practical. I'm learning something about him, and I've just learned something about me because I now have access to him. The Bible is a revelation of Jesus. It's not just instructions for life. If you remove Jesus from the Bible, you have nothing. If you remove the Holy Spirit from reading the Bible, it can do more harm than good. Just ask the Pharisees. Because you don't get brownie points from God for reading the Bible. I've watched it make, uh, boy, over two decades of ministry, I've watched Christians get really mean with the Word of God. And uh, it's unfortunate. But here's how you know whether or not you're receiving truth. I learned this from Steve Backlund. Your hope levels are an indicator of whether or not you're believing truth or whether you're being deceived. So here's the definition of hope. It's the constant expectation of good. So any area of your life where you do not have a constant expectation of good, you are believing a lie, and if you believe it long enough, it will become a stronghold of the devil. You're like, thank you, Jim, for telling me that. It's going to become a stronghold of the devil in my life. I'm so excited by this. Here's the good news, guys. So th- this is actually a really powerful thing. Any area of your life where you're feeling hopefulness, it's an alarm going off in your, in your spirit saying, hold on, I'm not believing truth. I've got, I've got to plant a different seed. I've been planting the wrong kinds of seeds to get this wrong kind of fruit. Anxiety, uh, worry, fear, lust, greed, envy, jealousy. I mean, the, you're, you're planting the wrong kinds of seeds. It's, it's predictable. I mean, if you plant an apple seed, no one's surprised when an apple tree grows up. You'd be surprised if an orange tree grew up, right? When you have a lack of hope in any area of your life, it's how you know you're believing a lie and you're deceived. If you have hope in an area of your life, hope is not, a lot of people are like, you know, I guess all we can do is hope. Or my favorite is, all we can do is pray. It's like, oh, has it come to that? Have we come so low that we actually have to pray now? You know, it's like, man, hope is not uh, throwing pennies in a wishing well, and maybe it'll happen, maybe I'll win the lotto, maybe not. I I got about as much chance of being struck by lightning. It's not like that. Hope is anchored in the person of Jesus. So, like, like hope is, it's it's an expectation of good based on what he said and who he is. It's not like, it's not like a wishing well. Okay. So, we may not have all the answers during this time. But we are connected to the one that does. So there is no reason for panic or fear. That's my summary statement about the season that we're in. We may not have all the answers during this time, but we are connected to the one that does. So there's no reason for panic or fear. So here's what I want to do. I wanted to, I feel like the Lord said, put a sword in their hand. I had two different messages planned, and I feel like the Lord just switched to this one. So it's not enough for us to just hear good teaching. It's not enough for us to agree with good teaching. What we have to do is we actually have to take that word that's been implanted in our heart and dwell in it, reside in it. Let it leave it in there long enough that we begin to bear the fruit of our life. And I believe that to the level that you meditate on it and obey it is the 30, the 60, and the 100-fold. Like, like what, what determines the level of the fruitfulness in, in your life? Um, that passage was not talking about sowing money. It was talking about sowing the word of God and leaving it in there. And so I believe, that, let me just say it again, the level of fruitness, I feel like this thing is dying here. This is Sean's revenge on me.
Stupid coronavirus. <laughs> can it get inside a microphone? I don't know if it can or not, so. Jesus, Jesus, come and squeeze us. We need you. It's not a bad prayer. <clears throat> if you don't like the harvest you're getting, plant different seed. Okay, maybe this is super good news. I mean, the, the Bible gets real practical on this. And so you're like, Jim, I'm filled with fear. I'm filled with worry. I don't know about our finances. I don't know about this. I'm not happy with the health that I have. I'm not happy with the finances we have. Here's some good news is you can plant different seed. You can choose what you think about. And uh, you can put yourself in a position so that the Holy Spirit reveals things. So I'm just going to encourage you guys. Uh, a lot of you are working from home. You're, you're, uh, you're you know, your schedule's been thrown off, and I want to encourage you, set aside some time, some intentional, let me say this, intentional, unhurried time. To me, I'll just be honest with you, when I religiously, out of duty, do my devotions, I typically get very little out of them. But when it's unhurried time, you know, it, it, it can be 10 minutes, but I can be unhurried. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference when I'm trying to get through it so I can get to all the stuff I have to do. I don't get a whole lot out of it. Maybe your life is differently. But I would just encourage you during this time, set aside time so that it's unhurried where you can read until something jumps out at you. Where you can read until you have a question and then you can take those questions and the things that jumped out to you and meditate on them during the day. You can meditate while you're washing dishes. You can meditate while you're doing your job. Think about these, roll them over. And when God gives you revelation, I would encourage you to write them down. Your journal is simply a record of God speaking to you. The shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. Okay, I, I don't know about you, but I go back on the things that I wrote down, and I'm like, I forgot all about this. I am so glad I wrote this down. I would have forgot about it. So, um, so you guys should have got a sheet of paper with Psalm 23. I intentionally wanted you to have a familiar psalm. I put it in a different translation. We use this as activation. If you do not have Psalm 23 uh, on a piece of paper, could you raise your hand? All right, so... Our lovely assistants, Jordan and Emily, are uh, passing those out. Just keep your hand up. We'll get it to you. Those of you uh, engaging online, if you're doing this after the broadcast, we'll have it uploaded as a PDF, but you can go to BibleGateway.com. Type in Psalm 23. You can have whatever translation you want. We're looking at it in the Passion Translation. Or uh, just go buy Brian Simmons, all of his books, all of his translations. You'll be blessed. Special requests. So guys, here's what I want to do. I want to just give us a chance. It's, it's, it's not good for us to ever hear the word of God, go, hmm, that was good, and leave. I'm not sure if you noticed, but we try to activate everything that we teach here. There's always something revenue you do, interact, pray, declare, or do something. Why are we doing that? Because it's, it's not good to just be a hearer. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment. We're gonna, uh, I don't, maybe we can get a little travel music in the background. Maybe not. I don't know if I, I, I just sprung that on the guys. Preferably without words, in the key of C, with a 3-4 with a tempo. I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not. I let me know if there is a 3-4 tempo. I didn't, might have made that up. There is? Ah, awesome. I'm on fire. Man, I'm getting revelation up here about stuff I don't even know. <clears throat> Here's what I want you to do. I want you to read, and if uh, something jumps out to you, mark it. Because that's going to be something that, you got, that the Lord is going to invite you to meditate on this week. If you've got questions about something, write them down. Those will be things to meditate on this week. So let's just take about three minutes on that, and then we'll uh, close her out here.
All right, how many of you felt like you had something that kind of jumped out to you, kind of was highlighted, or maybe you had a question? <clears throat> That's awesome. And so uh, I would encourage you, if, uh, if you didn't, then read something until you do. You know, maybe read a different passage. But if you did, I'd encourage you to take those this week and meditate on them until they become life. And remember what we learned last week is you can actually pray Scripture. So maybe some of those things that are highlighted to you, turn into prayer. Lord, I just thank you that you are my delicious feast. Or you turn them into declarations. And so we looked at that last week. So you guys good? Let me just give you one last little uh, thing here. So my, one of my favorite teachers is Andrew Womack. And so Mary and I got to spend some time with him one time. And uh, I, I just asked him a question. I said, hey, what does your Bible study look like? What's a typical Bible study look like for you? And so he said, well, I don't think you're going to like my answer. I'm like, well, try me, you know. And so he said, for the last year, I've meditated on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 through 24 for an entire year. Five verses of scripture. And he said, it's been the most rich year of my life. So I think, I, I think that... That just really stretches me. I think it could stretch a lot of us because I think we're so programmed to read, 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 and not to digest, to not meditate, to not let the nutrients out of that passage, to see all the different beauties of, the, of that diamond uh, hit us. So you guys will stand for closing prayer here. And here's what I want to do. <clears throat> I want to close, I want to start, I'm going to close praying for the harvest. I, uh, we have been getting a lot of prophetic words from Bobby Connor, James Maloney when they were at our church. Bobby, uh, the last two times he was here, he really hit this hard and impressed it upon us that um, our church is going to be seeing an influx of new believers. He actually talked about how people would be lined up outside the door uh, waiting to get in. The, the, the line would be, they wouldn't be able to get in. We'd have to go to multiple services, those type of things. They're, they're not lined up for toilet paper. They're lined up for Jesus. And so here's what I want us to do is maybe some of you have already put these names on the, on the wailing wall, which is, uh, which is something that we have just to kind of symbolize just intercession and prayer, just to keep those things before us. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you got here early for service, but I don't know who did this. It was brilliant. They took a, a picture of some of the testimony cards. Is that you, Mary? I don't know who did that, and they put them up as slides, and it was like my dad uh, was diagnosed with cancer. There was no cure, and he was, he, now he's completely cancer-free after prayer. It was just like... It was just all these things. I was like, what a wonderful thing. So I know if you want to go take some pictures of some of the testimony wall cars and just, uh, just, man, feast on those things instead of the bad news, which is, you know, like, you know, the nuclear apocalypse and stuff like that. So, you know, th this thing will lift. And uh, as, as, you know, as Mark prayed today, we, you know, let's just pray that it lifts supernaturally. So let's just pray into a couple of things. Jesus, we just thank you for a supernatural stopping of plagues. Lord, we thank you that priests in the Old Testament, by their prayers, they could stop a plague. And so, Lord, I just thank you that every one of us is that we are a kingdom of priests. And so, Lord, we take authority over this coronavirus, and we just cancel its effects. Lord, I pray that it would suddenly die in the name of Jesus, that it would be a sign and a wonder to this planet. So right now, we come against that, and we just thank you for Psalm 91, that no sickness can come near our dwelling. So, Lord, we just thank you for supernatural protection for our family, for the people that are engaging online. We thank you for supernatural protection. And, Lord, for whoever needs a healing, we just speak a word of healing in the name of Jesus. You bore our sickness. You carried our pain. By your stripes we are healed. If you need a word of healing, I would encourage you, plant the seed of healing in your heart and meditate on it until it produces a fruit. And don't let go of that stinking thing until it's done. Guys, the enemy is going to try to be like a bucking bronco. You got to ride that thing. You're not going to get. You're not going to be moved. I say this to you: you will not be moved by what you see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. You will only be moved by the word of God. 
And so, Lord, we call in the harvest right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we start with our family members who need you. Lord, I thank you for those who have had the word of God planted in their heart when they were children. It says when they are old, they will not depart from it. So, Lord, we call them home to you in the name of Jesus. We break, the enemy has blinded the mind of unbelievers. <clears throat> right now, Lord, we pray for a supernatural breaking of that blindness and that a believer will live the good news and present good news to them and that they would get saved. We pray that during this next 30 days will be a mighty time of harvest, that people's eyes will turn to you. And just as you're appearing to uh, Muslims in dreams, I pray that you would appear to our family members in dreams. Lord, I pray that the man in white would come and rock them in their dreams, that the presence of God would fill the room and they would recognize it from when they were a child or maybe experience it for the first time and they would fall on their knees and say, I must serve this Jesus. Lord, I just thank you that you're so gracious that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so, Lord, I pray you would give us wisdom on how we can show kindness to people that represents you. So, Lord, I just thank you. We are moving on the opposite spirit violently, Lord. We are not moving in fear. God, we are moving in hope and expectation that this will be a great day. Lord, we thank you for Heidi Baker's words that the signs and wonders and miracles that, were happening, that are happening in Mozambique would come to America. That go are the things that we've been training for, the things that we've tasted of in measure that we would see in fullness. So, Lord, we love you. Lord, I pray for the finances in here that, God, whether people got to get fed by ravens or whatever it has to happen, Lord, we just, we anchor our hearts in the realm where you're not panicked. So we're not panicked. Guys, there's just, there has to be a time when we draw a line in the sand and just say we're going to believe. So, Lord, help us to sow those seeds of faith in our hearts so we can have a harvest of faith. Guys, if you're not sowing seeds, you're, it's going to be hard for you to stand. And so, Lord, I just thank you that you're putting a sword in our hands so we can fight, so that we can win. I just thought of this phrase. Uh, he said, fight the good fight. You know what a good fight is? One that you can win. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Lord, we bless your name. I pray that your name would be glorified in our city. Guys, you can just see, it's like all the, I mean, I don't think this is a plague from God. I don't care what some of the prophets are saying or how passionate they say it. God does not put sickness on his kids. He's not judging the world. He already judged Jesus. Okay? Uh, God has already reconciled the entire world to himself. So it doesn't mean everyone's saved. It means everyone's reconciled. All the obstacles between God's heart. God loves you and as much as he loves Jesus, as much as he loves ISIS. You guys have to get this. This is not a plague from God. I don't care how many. I just had someone email me today, and, oh, there's this prophet who's using all these scriptures to say God's sending sickness as judgment. I'm like, yeah, are they all Old Testament by any chance? Sickness was a curse under the Old Testament, and according to Deuteronomy chapter uh, 28, verses 15 through 66 or 68, okay? Uh, we're under a different covenant. Amen. Jesus became the curse of the law so that we could become the righteousness of God. So any stinking thinking, or I don't, care, I don't care how popular the person is, it's not kingdom. It's not new covenant. I don't care how many new, uh, passages they try to twist. God already judged Jesus. He's not judging ISIS right now. There will be a day at the end of time where believers will be judged uh, so that they can be rewarded for their works. And unbelievers will be judged. He will have to make a decision with how they treated Jesus. But guys, you will never be judged for your performance ever again, other than to be rewarded for what you did for the kingdom that will stand. So if you hear some, like, don't even try to evaluate whether this prophet and where they look missing it, just throw it out. 
if, if they're preaching some kind of old covenant, condemnation, judgment to America, can God judge this? Yeah. I, I, I mean, can God judge this? Can God use this? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, uh, in all things, he works together for the good of those who love him. It doesn't say all things are good. There's some things that are happening that are terrible. People are dying. I mean, I, I think 740 people died yesterday just from the regular flu. That doesn't hit the news. Uh, I mean, there's just some crazy stuff going on. But not everything that happens is good, but in all things, he can work together for good. You guys remember that theological show, MacGyver? Yeah. MacGyver's unbelievable. <clears throat> the old one, the new one, I'm not too big on But the old one, he, uh, I mean, he'd be in a situation, and he could build a time bomb out of a piece of gum and a pine cone somehow. You guys remember this? It's like, yeah, like, like he could take whatever in his situation and use it for his good. MacGyver got that from God. So this morning, can you guys see me? I need to go up a couple steps here. We're still okay, I'll just go. Us be by him, so you know we're in love. Um, so this morning, uh, I I had seen uh, when we were just praying uh, as the worship team, I had seen a left shoulder that was broken, and the Lord put it back into place. And to me, government, uh, the shoulders piece of government. And so you can take that however you want. But um, I heard the Lord say that he's resetting um, government, the things that were broken. Because government is government is, is the authority. It's, it's what, you know, it's that authority that holds things together. And the Lord is uh, resetting uh, that broken bone in the shoulder of government. Amen. And um, the other thing that I saw um, was I saw the Lord take a shovel and he shoveled down into the dirt and, and flipped it over and took the rich soil and put it on the top. And um, how many know, like, you know, when it's dirt and you turn it over, it's, it's awesome, that rich soil on the top. But, I mean, it's mixed in with the old soil, right? <laughs> That's what's happening to us right now. Is like we we are we are getting turned over, so we can be on top and everything of the world and all of us, the light and the dark, we're all together in the same room. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, so I just somebody needs to write government on that wailing wall. I don't know who who I don't care who it is. Somebody just take one of those cards and write government on that wall. Can we just pray for the government right now? Again, I know we have before, but um, so God, we just thank you for the government. We thank you for every man and woman who who is in position right now. And Lord, we thank you for the new faces and the new uh, people that you are raising up to fill the position for such a time as this. And so God, even the primaries that were postponed, Lord, we just, we just say, bring the right people in the right place. Bring your man, your woman into the right place for this time in history. God, we thank you that you are resetting and that you are renovating resetting and renovating the government. We thank you, Jesus, that you turn all things that, that the enemy meant for bad and you can turn it around into good with a snap of your finger. And God, we know that you use your body and you, we know that we've been equipped to do your will. We know that we can hear your voice and we are obedient children. 
And so, God, we just say yes to your will and your way. And, God, those things that you're speaking to us, even as we are quarantined or whatever happens in our houses, there are still things, assignments, covert things that you are having us do. And we say yes to those in the name of Jesus. And I just declare over this body, you have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice in the spiritual realm, and you have a voice in the natural realm. And everything is rooted out of love. So, God, we just thank you for Jim's word about squeezing us. <laughs> so we partner with that word, God, of just squeezing us with your love, with your love, with your love, not your judgment. Not your judgment, God, but your love, your compassion. We thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we pray for President Trump and his administration that you would give them supernatural discernment <clears throat> to cut through the rhetoric, to cut through the political correctness, and to forge a plan ahead that's based on godly wisdom. We pray for Governor DeWine, we pray for Mayor Ginther, that you would give them supernatural discernment, that you would surround our government at every level with wise counsel, that the voice of wisdom would rise up, whether it comes through a donkey or whether it comes through a saint, that the voice of wisdom would be recognized and followed. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Church, I just encourage you to uh, just be careful with your words uh, when you're saying something negative about a government official. The only thing we're told in the scripture is to pray for your leaders. Paul wrote that, um, well, uh, pray for your leaders. Uh, you know, he was eventually beheaded by Nero, a leader. <clears throat> Paul said, pray for your leaders. Okay, and so just, boy, Facebook's just a crazy environment for, uh, for all sorts of political offense. And um, if you're a leader in this house and you're ripping on political leaders and we find out about it, we're probably going to talk to you about it because we love you. Not, we're, not, we're not trying to control you, but we're trying to protect your influence. You're, you're doing things that are unbiblical. Well, we're just, we're just going for it here since it might be the last time we meet here. And another thing. No, I'm, I'm really trying to help you. I'm really trying to help you guys. That, that comes from a bitter heart. Okay? Don't mistake arrogance and anger for boldness. A lot of people think because they say it loud and they say it mean that it's boldness. It's really just fear disguising itself. It's anger disguising itself as boldness. Okay? And so, um, we're to honor our leaders. I love Daniel. Uh, he, um, he's under one of the most wicked leaders to ever lead this planet, Nebuchadnezzar. He gets a bad word from the Lord, and he says, Oh, king, I wish that this word was about your enemies and not about you. There's many Christians who would love to get a wicked word or get a bad word about a future of a leader and give it to them. And there's many who are. Not this house. This is a house of honor. This is a house of blessing. And so if you've got to go home and delete some Facebook, we're not, we're not being the police, guys. We're not like looking at everyone who's a leader, looking at your Facebook feed. But some of you may need to go home and delete some stuff just out of honor, just if, if the Lord's convicting you. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just trying to set the sails for the direction that we're going. If the government says, churches, you need to quarantine, you can't do anymore, we're not going to, we're going to follow it without question. Okay, we're, we're here to obey the laws of the land. Right now, we're under religious exemption. Uh, 
it could change quickly. I would imagine that the five states that have gone to a stricter quarantine, the other 45 are going to follow quickly here. So uh, we'll follow that. But we bless it. All right. Mary's here to say that she still loves me. <laughs> See, he always throws me off. Every time I come up here, I forget what I'm going to say. Um, just going back to that whole soil with him with the shovel analogy or picture, whatever you want to call it, he's doing a new thing. The old thing is going bye-bye, and he's doing a new thing. And so I just want to release that over you because in the middle of this, it looks like, oh, my goodness, what's, this is the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> Someone should write a song about that. Just kidding. Um, it is, but it's a, it's a new thing. It's a good thing. Like, God's going to turn this around. You watch. I was going to say something else, but Jim made me forget it. I declare a supernatural remembering over my... Hey, guys, we love you. And, um, and let's engage on, on uh, at least on, uh, on our Facebook page. If you, guys, if you guys are feeling discouraged, if you guys have words, and put them on the page. If you've got testimonies. I walked in on the children's workers, and I walked in on a, basically a testimony fest. They were all talking about what God had been doing in them this week. And so... Um, that, that was with the, the, the children's leaders. And so we're so thankful for, man, for that kind of leadership. But we, uh, we can do that as a body. And God's doing something. God's giving you a word. And so we may not be able to meet uh, together as much. And uh, we may have to get creative. You know, maybe we'll uh, do skywriting in the, instead of like PowerPoint for the scriptures. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do. So, but uh, all right. So just, uh, just check your emails and social media and we'll see, uh, you know, how we can proceed on this thing. But we're going to proceed in faith. And you guys are going to be planting seeds in hiddenness that when this thing lifts, the fruit will be revealed. So don't, don't despise this time where there's no NFL, there's no this and that. Uh, well, who cares? There's, this is a time for us to spiritually prepare to shine. And so God's going to do something awesome on this. Love you guys. If you need some extra prayer, our ministry teams will be coming forward. Bless your children's workers. Greet each other with a holy elbow. Before.